<laughs> Either way, I'm trying both. <laughs> it seems to be working. Not sure. taking any chances, just trying it all. John and I had a wonderful weekend with no coughing. <laughs> just gagging. Gagging. Just gagging in the morning on the way back at Dice Arts in the parking lot. And oh, during, the, <laughs> during the conference, I look over I and he's trying. To, yeah, he's trying to not to cough. And I look over and he's like... <laughs> and then a tear starts rolling down his eye. And I'm like, dude, that is so hot. <laughs> I didn't have any water or anything. I'm just sitting there convulsing in the chair in the middle of this auditorium. Oh, that's yeah. I'm just glad my buddy was concerned to look over and start laughing. I was concerned. And then once I realized what was happening, I was like, that is so hot. I'm yeah, I had a cold for a week and then the cough came. My boss was like, would you go the f home? Uh, Okay. <laughs> then next day, he's like, are you still coughing? Yep. Okay. Stay home again. Go get tested. So, initially COVID-free. I had a head cold through Freiburg Fair, and then after that, it's just been, like, dry coughing, or once in a while, yeah. cough something up. It's just been, like, just a dry-ass cough. Right. That's about where I've been at, too. But if I suck on one of these, hopefully I won't do it while we're recording. Hopefully. If not, I got that fisherman's friend in the car if you want to give that a shot. <laughs> Is he locked in your trunk? Yeah. <laughs> I was just, gonna say. just in a bag. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we were talking uh, training and leadership, like generational gaps in leadership. That's what we want to run with. Apparently not talking about plugging and patching. <laughs> oh, no, Ed, whatever you want. That's a text job anyway. Ask a question. <laughs> The chief has to do his welcome to Bay Forest, Sunshine, and then we. You can already go. have that recorded. I don't need to do that now. But I don't want to go back and look at it. Then he has to edit. Uh, you all right, can, you can move, ready? You can move the whole. Let's start this. Let's head. do it. Welcome to Bay Floor Discussions. I thought we decided Chief was taking oh my it. God. <laughs> <laughs> for the love of go God, go Ed. For the love of God, go. Welcome to Bay Floor Discussions. It was, it was good work, guys. I'm real proud of you. That was, that was smooth. That was awful. And I'm did Brian, you, the voice of the intro. <laughs> did you just unclick it, or are we still going? We're still <laughs> We've been and, going for like 10 minutes. Anytime I see you mess with the computer, I just assume that you're like, I'm, I'm done. I'm I already knew that he was recording. He had yeah, it recording about five minutes recording. and nine. Anyways, uh, like always, it feels like it's been forever since I've seen you guys. It has been, what, about a month since we recorded, so... We're back to all our loving and endearing friends and uh, followers, and now we actually have Dalton with his own microphone. Yes. Proud of you. You're moving Thanks. up in the world, buddy. Thank you. Did you introduce yourself last time? Did I think somebody so. introduce? I think all so, right. yeah. Good. Then we don't need to talk about you No, anymore. that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start off. Um, these guys, Chief, Deputy Chief, and Eric have uh, <laughs> all taken a, a officer's class. So we'll get some uh, some highlights from you guys and go back to what we kind of started this thing with, which is training. Yeah. Highlights, good. Wrapped up Fire <laughs> Officer 1. Decided what the heck in the training mode, so we'll go to Fire Officer 2. And we've got, um, what, three, three weeks left, I think? Yes. Uh, that, so... For us procrastinators, we really have to start hammering out those papers. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's going good. Uh, big difference between, well, I wouldn't say big difference. There's, there's more focus on 
the human resources aspect in Fire Officer 2. Um, still a lot of papers. Um, we went from one paper per unit in Fire Officer 1 to two papers in Fire Officer 2 per unit. So, um, yeah, definitely giving the keyboard a workout, but we're progressing. It's going well. And this was well, all so. online. We don't have to say specifically who it was through, but... Oh, online. I don't mind saying who it was through. It's uh, sure. through uh, Columbia Southern University and Alabama Fire College. Okay. So, yeah, it's all it's all uh, online. Yeah. And that's that's a pro board certification, right? So it's, that is, a, yep. it's nationwide. Yep. Yep. Cool. yep. Eric, how is the second end of our class? So the uh, procrastination thing he's talking about, I finished my officer too. I have one written project on my computer that I need to send. I have one more I need to write. I um, got to catch up on some quizzes, and then I can test out yep. through the MFSI program. Um, Freiburg Fair kind of slowed me up a little bit and got me a little bit behind. So though that Wednesday of the fair, two, what is it, two weeks ago now, three weeks ago now? Yeah, I think two. That Wednesday was my last actual online class, um, but I still got to finish up. How was it compared to first? So, chief and deputy chief did a actual online program that was dedicated to that. Eric and I both did a um, oh, that's like right, you're in the other half. Yeah, basic officers class, and then there was multiple years later a follow up for an advanced officers class. I wasn't available for that. Eric was. Uh, so, how was it compared to the basic? Um, the basic was, of course, face-to-face because it was before COVID. Right. Um, this second half I was a little worried about because it's Zoom to cover the chapters and then everything else you kind of do on your own, which I was, I'm not a big fan of non-face-to-face classes. But this one actually surprised me. I was impressed that there was guys all across the state um, that was in this program, which I imagine, like these guys, it'd be all across the country for you. Um, it was just cool that I can Zoom with these guys up in Bangor and Augusta and, you know, three, four, five hours away, but I didn't have to drive to meet them. Yep. And uh, you got a lot more different perspectives from volunteer groups and, and paid, you know, paid call guys. And it was just a good, real synopsis of what we have in the state, cool. which my worries kind of went away after the first couple of classes. I was actually pretty impressed with how it came out. Nice. Now we'll see how my test goes. Wow, what yeah, was the well, time frame on that? What's like, that? Like how long, how many classes were there? Uh, there was 10 in this second half. We didn't, we didn't have any Zoom. It's basically all self-paced, self-study. The only interaction we had really was when we would, after we'd submit papers, uh, the professor would, you know, obviously score it and, and uh, give us a little feedback on the bottom, but... We didn't. We didn't have any Zoom portion. There was no face to face. So there's no interaction with nope. any other students doing nope. it with you. It's kind of a bummer. I wish there was. Yeah, I think it's um, kind of a downfall. But um, you know, it's. I think as we've learned over the last year and a half, it's a learning curve, and <laughs> so everybody is just figuring out the the ways of remote everything. So. Um, but yeah, no, I would have, I would have liked to have maybe a few, a few classes that we all got together and, and even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't more of a directed study kind of thing, but just like a group conversation and, 
and stuff like that. That would have been that would have been pretty cool. That I was think, so. basically how our Zoom meetings went. Of course, we because it was a year span in between. We had the chapters from before that we had to review before our test. So what we did is we reviewed one chapter and then we covered another chapter. And basically, what they did in the Zoom sessions, they took the group and they split us into however many groups the chapter could be split into three or four, and they basically had us self-teach the rest of the group or basically just review it all together so we could all communicate, we could all go yeah. over it, we could all ask questions. Kind of like... Uh, but it was stuff that we already had read and gone through. and Like the instructor course. Yeah. That so we it was, did. It was just it very just, open yeah. and fluid, and, and cool. I kind of... I thought that was good because then we could ramp off here and there, and yeah. the instructor just brought us back to the original plan. Yeah. But venturing off, I, I learned quite a bit and could hear from different people and different perspectives, which I yeah. thought was great. Yeah, for sure. John, Definitely. you've been fiddling with cords and whatnot. You have any uh Everything any okay over there? Oh, my charger's not working. Ooh. Yeah. So, so what did you think of your class? I thought it was good. I learned a lot. It was a lot of work, a lot of writing. But all the assignments were real life based. Like even mm. Brian and I joked, like we could put names to different scenarios. Yeah. And uh it just basically taught us how to handle certain things in a certain way. It was pretty good. But like he said, I I wish there was more interaction because a lot of the assignments, <clears throat> they weren't very clear. So, like, we had to guess on a lot of stuff. Well, sometimes we, found we that guessed right, sometimes we didn't. With our instructor class yeah. is that it's very difficult uh, when, there's a little, when there's little feedback from your instructor. Right. When they just give you an assignment, it can kind of be open to interpretation. Yeah, well, so and that's kind of what we learned is, you know, John, John and I would be talking, we'd be on the same unit and go, "Hey, what did you think about this?" or "How did you how did you handle that?" And then between the two of us, we could have been like one of the last ones, um, just completely completely different thoughts, neither right, neither wrong, um, but there was no. There was no rabbit hole to go down, so we didn't know, you know. Well, at least you were um, lucky that you two were taking the same program together, so you had something about stuff off of. Yeah, that is that. I couldn't imagine helpful. doing it all by yourself, like. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, like I, so I've started to write some of my papers uh, from my perspective, um, and using some of my examples, and and they've been scored well, so that's not a wrong way to do it, <laughs> you know. So um, that's. It's taken me a course and a half to figure out that's kind of that's okay to do yeah. in this. I've found that just from from college courses that sometimes you just have to submit it. You know, if, yeah. you, if you don't understand, the worst they can do. Well, I shouldn't say the worst they can do. Most professors, if they're like, "Hey, you're just completely off track of what I wanted from you," but you made an attempt, you submitted something. It was, uh, you know, it had substance to it. It was productive. However not what I was expecting and they'll yeah. like give you another chance at least usually. Yeah. Nine right. times out of ten they aren't like you're an idiot, this is wrong, you know. <laughs> and, and, and they have the rubrics. So everything is done with a rubric. Right. And, which is great, but it doesn't tell you anything. For us it's it's just a score. Right. And it's, you know, for, between fourteen and sixteen points for this section in the rubric and um we'll give you fourteen point five. Right. What? <laughs> why <laughs> yeah. you know but um and there wasn't there wasn't really any explanation um i don't think i've had a class that hasn't been um or i haven't done a paper that hasn't been in the right column of the rubric 
but there's no explanation for for that. For so. why you got it. Yeah, it's like my college class I'm taking right now. I uh, my last essay, I had the rubric, and it specifically lays out what they're looking for. Yeah. So it's nice to have that guidance and then the feedback too after that. Yeah. So I, I sympathize with you guys. <laughs> the rubrics. What, what, what class are you taking? I'm taking English 100 to get my liberal studies to turn my paramedicine certificate into a paramedic degree. Nice. Yeah, so I think what we were talking about, and it happens all the time, is when you get those rubrics, it's nice because you feel like you know what they're expecting from you. But like English classes, grammar scaled on 1 through 10. You got you got an eight, right? Okay, so but they don't tell you what yeah, you, what exactly. you hit, yeah. you know, what you hit or what you missed. Right? There's no just, green squiggly <coughs> underline from Word right. that says this was grammatically incorrect. It just says, "Hey, you could have done better." <laughs> It'd be nice to give it back to you like a star up at the corner. Say, "Good job," right? You know, a gold star. Yeah. yeah. Right. You get enough of them, you get a Sunday on Friday or something. Yes. But I mean, some it's of them party. are so vague, like uh, you know, covered. Or address topic. Okay, you know, I can yeah. I can literally say, and to answer this, and I will address address the topic. I'm not going right. to get a ten on it because, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, you you kind of went straight for it. You didn't really, you know, work around it, and then kind of talk about it. Yeah, you just. Yeah. I like, the, I like the one um, it stays on topic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's one topic that I'm writing about. Right. right? Exactly. You know, like so. The title of this page tells you exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about here. Right. It makes you wonder what else they've got in the past. Right. Yeah. For students like, to have that on the what? paper. <laughs> yeah, like who exactly. went so off the trail, <laughs> off the rails? That's uh, awesome. I mean, you have your, you have your thesis, and you're supposed to follow that. No, it's just and like if you don't. I mean, where did you go wrong? It's honestly. like a cup of coffee that says "caution hot." <laughs> right. Nothing in your incoherent rambling addressed the question. <laughs> May God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> But awesome. then there's been times where I'm writing a paper and I'm like, man, I need to juice this thing and just get as many words out of it as I can. And that's what I feel like. I'm like man, I'm not even talking about the same thing anymore. I've said it six different ways just so I can make a paragraph out of it. Right. So I can get and to then the, I get a 10 so out of that it, 300 like, words. Yeah. And then I get a 10 on it like, oh, okay. So we just we just need to regurgitate. That's how English works now. Yeah. But uh, I guess. Fun. John, how's it coming over there, buddy? Good, working on it. You are struggling this morning. <laughs> How many work. cables are you going to go through? Well, all of them. You're just going to keep swapping them out until one works? Until yeah. something works. All right. Well, if it just dies on us, you let us know. Because yeah. we, we won't know when the computer shuts down. We'll still hear ourselves talk, which is really all we're here for. So. Right. Um, what else? Why did it, I thought of something. Oh, yeah. You guys just went to that, uh, that conference. How was that? Conference, seminar, whatever it was. Well, I've done all kinds of talking this morning. I well, he's John. He's too busy with his still right now. Fuddling over there. <laughs> Would you do something productive, John? Right. I am. I'm trying to prevent the computer from. You all can't down. tell, but we're just staring at John, expecting him to talk. <laughs> this is the most work I've ever seen him do. <clears throat> there, are, there are literally cables everywhere. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's so. typical. But if his precious computer goes down, he's not going to know what to do with his life. You know, if you plug the other end in the wall, you might have power. <laughs> what do you need, USB-C? What's going on? Everything runs back yeah. to the same plug, and that one USB-C? plug doesn't work. 
can you do USB A to C? That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find adapters for okay. adapters. Stand by. WXYZ. I'm stepping away. Okay. So I think anyway, the chief is going to get you the resources you need to fix right. this problem. He's a good chief. So, <laughs> so anyways, he picked it up like he was going to start talking and then went back to the cables. So if you're not familiar with the Fraternal Order of Leatherhead Society, well, now I know what it stands for. Google it. Um, Mr. Morrison over here wasn't quite sure what it was, and I took him to his first <clears throat> event they had up in Bangor. Um, they're New England chapters based out of Massachusetts, and they come from Rhode Island, New Jersey, all the way up to here. Normally, they just get into southern Maine and been doing a lot of stuff down in the, the Wells area, um, Biddeford down that section but bangor decided that they wanted to get them up north so for the first time they had a conference up there basically it's a summit it's a two or three day event they get five or six speakers and then you just go and you listen to a bunch of different topics and cover a bunch of different things and meet a bunch of different people and you know better yourself and i uh i saw that it was going to go on bangor i had the weekend off i called john Booked us a hotel room, booked us all our tickets, told him he was getting into my truck, and we were going. <laughs> perfect. Or Ed says perfect. He cut it there, and then he jumped right. in and apologized. We're back, I believe. Ready to do this? Yes. All right. Go ahead. Sorry for the interruption. There was a equipment malfunction. So I left it with John. I threw in my truck, and we were headed to Bangor. In the seat, or do you just like toss him in the back? In the front. The front buckled him in in his car seat, told him to... Propped him up. Gave him his iPad so he could play with it on the way, keep him busy. So John, what did you think of it? How long is that ride? We thought it was going to be like two and a half to three hours. According to GPS, it was going to be like three hours. Yeah. Yeah, according to my driving. <laughs> it was like an hour and a half. Nice. <laughs> we arrived before we could even check into the hotel. Oh, so you drive so, my car. Uh, <laughs> he's 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 uh, competing against Carl in his driving. Yes. There was nice. just no traffic and very good highway. Yeah. I hit all the red Straight. lights. The green lights. I mean, <laughs> I hit all the red lights. I blew right through But yeah, nice. it was a good conference. A lot of good. Um, a lot of good speakers with a lot of experience and uh, training. Was there any, like, audience participation? Did you get to? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A couple of them. Well, the one that I liked the most literally jumped down into the crowd, and he taught his whole <clears throat> lesson from the crowd and basically picked on various generations. So he'd be like, anyone <coughs> born this time, raise your hand. Anybody born this period, raise your hand. And then basically he would call them out. So this group over here that raised their hand, they're good. And the people <laughs> over here, you're train wreck. Right. <laughs> oh, but the guy knew what he was talking about because when he called you out by age or whatever and split the crowd, he's like, oh, you guys think this and you guys think that. Let's go. And right. he was on the money every time. Yeah. yeah. Right. He, he explained, like, and I'm going to butcher this, but basically, like, the millennials are the newer generation, unlike, like, Cartman's, Brian's, our generation, we were given an assignment and basically we had to go to a library, look it up, read it in a book, write it out by hand, not aging ourselves. Or <laughs> as we progressed in school, we had word processing and stuff like that. And because of that, 
we retained a lot of information because we spent a lot of time on it. Whereas the newer generation, you like, tell them to re research a topic, they have every perspective they can imagine at their fingertips and within seconds. And because of that, they basically, they read it, they regurgitate it. And because of that, they don't retain that information as much. But he was saying that they're also smarter because they get a broader perspective. Whereas we were narrowed to whatever it was, the psychopedia and stuff like that. And he also said, because of that, they're given an assignment. They're told exactly what to do. We were talking about your rubrics. You need to do A, B, C, D. Because of that, they're also losing that self-motivation um, aspect of learning, of working. And he goes, you'll see a lot of the new generation, he mentioned millennials, they'll get hired with a department and they'll show up and they'll sit there with their hands in their pocket because they're expecting to be told what to do. Unlike our generation where we had to go and figure it out and just start doing and learn by trial and error type of thing. That's it was fascinating. I was gonna he, say just that little bit you've said it has been like, wow, that's that's pretty he much explained it yeah, a lot more elegantly it. than yeah, he's, me. He's very good at his speaking. It was <laughs> awesome. I actually we talked to him afterwards and we want to try to get him up in this area because it it was a good class. I actually explained that a up lot at a job interview one time. They you know, they always ask, What are your strengths and your weaknesses? I said, Well, both a strength and a weakness is I'm I'm task oriented. So if you give me a task, I will do it above and beyond what you expect. If you do not give me a task, I'm going to sit and read a book. You know, right. <laughs> like, yeah. you know I mean, that's, that's one of the things. That's what I love about this department is there's a very clear expectation. You meet yeah. that expectation, you're doing fine. If you don't, something's wrong. You know, there's, yeah. no, there's no interpretation to it. Or there's been other places that I've worked, and it's just uh, it's a mess. You know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you tell me to do it? Well, you right. should know. Yeah. And Sorry, that's, you know. I, that's that's I don't exactly know it, that though. Today is yeah. sweep the ceiling day. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I polished the right. truck that's, sixteen times. That's one of the things he hit home home on. Is basically he goes, we can't expect a lot of this generation because we're taking 20, 18 to twenty years of training, and we have six months to a year to correct that. Because the fire service, they need to be self-motivated. They need to be self-initiating. But you're taking, it's a generational thing. It's nobody's fault. It's just the way our generations progressed. And he explained different generations and how they, basically, we got to this point. But I don't remember any of that. No, then he tied it into the fire service and was yep. talking about, you know, you got the old salty dogs that are too scared to, and not scared, or what was the word he, he used? It was, they just didn't want to show that they could be wrong. Because they were, they've taught this way or learned this way, and they're showing something. But instantly, that other person can pull it up on the internet and go, "You're yeah. you're wrong." And that guy never had a chance to right. work to through adjust himself or work well, through the problem. Yeah. Right. It'd be like, "Well, if yeah. this says this, so uh, fire yeah. engineering says this. Well, this is the way I'm talking. Well, you're wrong because of blah 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 blah." Yeah, blah. I just found it 15 other places. Yeah, but they were they were saying is that the the older guys or the salty guys would be afraid to admit that they were wrong or afraid to to give in because they didn't want to be shown up and the same thing as the younger guys coming in that the old guys would be like you know shut up sit down so that's what those guys would do and then the older guys is like well they won't do their job because like, you told them to shut up and sit down right. like right. until you tell yeah. them to do anything else they're not gonna right so it was just funny how he brought that up he's like oh the salty guys are like why don't those guys get off the truck and do their job and this and that because they're waiting for you to tell them because the first day they came in right you told them to shut up and sit down 
So it was kind of a neat because then you looked across the room and you had all the different generations looking at each other going, he's right. Yeah. yeah. That's a, and that's, an awesome that's a problem we need to fix. And right. it was really, it was really good program. It was, it was, it was awesome. That was probably my favorite one. Um, it just, because it was a lot of aha moments. Yeah. Because we run into that, we've run into that several yeah. times over the last couple of years of why aren't these people just doing it? Well, because we didn't tell them. We didn't set clear expectations. We didn't tell them we expect them to do this. And plus we're competing with that 20 years of training that we now have to undo. And, um, he also went into like the paramilitary organization and he goes, that doesn't work. He's like, everybody says, well, the fire service is a paramilitary organization. He goes, we are not even close to the military. He goes, these people, those people are enlisted. They have to be there. They joined because they wanted to. And now they're, uh, I guess, stuck there. They have to be there. These people don't. We keep giving them ultimatums. Well, if you don't like it, leave. Well, guess what? They're leaving. They're going to leave. They're going to leave. <laughs> they're leaving. So we have to change our ad, our uh, a model on how we do things, and it, it was a really. good No, you're saying that, and the job's completely different. Yeah, you know, the military's out for certain tasks and certain stuff, and and maybe killing people. Well, I was and we're go. the total opposite of saving people and doing a whole different mission. I wasn't going going to go into the dark <laughs> aspect. Of well, that's what the, that's what the man said. I'm not yeah. going to hide it, but. I thought he was he was right on, you know, because yeah. he was saying that even though we portray ourselves as paramilitary, if you look at the public safety service, we're not. Right. Thirty years ago, right? Maybe more more relatable yep. to, but now it's yeah. you know, definitely. But yeah. that's like John and, and it, I were talking after you know having brainstorming on this conversation of being told what they are expected to do, what they need to do through the process of an emergency, and how do we overcome that? How do we, so, you know, uh, when we're talking about doing SOGs for specific positions, you know, this person on this apparatus does this when they get to a scene. Okay, now, now we're starting to lay that out. So we're kind of, we're bridging the gap where we're not 100% telling them. It's not a face-to-face -face conversation. It says, when you get off the truck, you need to do this because that's linear thinking and, and that doesn't always fit. But if we give them that directive of these are, your, these are your objectives that you need to do when you get there and they get them done, we're getting to the same point. Right. It's right. just a different, different path. Right, and we're talking about developing SO making it a guideline so that we give them the foundation and then as they progress in education training they can if something happens you know it's not public safety is not a b c like they teach or they used to teach in emt school i mean you used to see a lot of emts get frozen actually i've, I've witnessed paramedics do it because they can't get the airway you well, can't get past even, that point, even, right? They're, they're stuck on the things. Yeah. They're you're stuck on the airway. Um, Meanwhile, the guy's spurting blood everywhere. Well, even yeah. simpler, you know, in EMT, your basic class, you're taught to do your scene safe PSI. Yeah, that <laughs> <is>. <laughs> every your, time. Your I still initial, say that in my head every time. Like oh, your initial God. size up, you know, your your initial evaluation, and then same thing. You ask all the silly questions. Well, if the person's having trouble breathing. 
and you're sitting there asking them a bunch of questions. I mean, I, I'm like flashing back to my first call and the medic was like, you're an idiot. Get the hell out of the way because you're just wasting time. What did you think he was going to say? He's having trouble breathing. Doesn't <laughs> matter what the last, yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter the last time he <laughs> ate or what he did to bring it up. Like, get the hell yeah. out of the way. And it took, you know, it, it took some time to realize, you know, the book tells you certain things for certain reasons, but you have to move beyond that. Right. And that's something only only time is going to teach you what what to take away from that and what not to take away from that. So, yeah, you, you have to walk a line of recognizing the expectations or the objectives for a certain role and not telling someone you need to do a b c and d in that order we need to progress from what what do they call it like line cooks or cook cookbook medicine to more critical thinking um another one that brings up another one of my the second favorite one was the uh, fdny guy he he gave a lecture it was a long lecture it was like three hours about Mm -hmm. from the academy to the bay floors and well first one thing he brought up is basically you teach these guys building constructions and fire behavior, we'll teach them the rest at the station. Like these academies are missing a lot yep. because they're, te- they're training them like it's a boot camp. And basically you're learning to run, do push-ups, and a little bit of fire attack, and then they're coming to the bay floors and there's a lot of disconnect. But he goes, there's, there's, there's what was it? He goes, IFSTA will teach you this way, this way, and this way. And it was like, it was a, he was talking about ladders. And he's like, we don't throw ladders to vent windows. He goes, we throw rescues for our brother. We throw ladders for our brothers and sisters. He's like, so we're not going to be like 45 degrees to the left of the window. We're throwing it to the top of the window, raking it down, and that ladder is set for a rescue. That's it. He's like, I don't care what IFSTA tells you. This is real life. We don't have enough people. He goes, and for a 24-foot ladder or a 30-foot ladder, he goes, it doesn't take two to three people. That one guy is throwing that ladder, raking that window, and that ladder is your second egress. He goes, this is a 20-second skill. Stop sitting there and thinking about it and just do your job. <laughs> yeah. right. He's like, when you go to move that ladder, you don't have two or three people move the ladder. You have to do it yourself. It has to be done. It has to be done now. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's no debate. You do it. Right. And like that, the funny thing is, is that kid joked around, and he goes, I don't really. When everyone asks, he goes, you're a firefighter? He goes, yeah. He's like. I'm the next generation of fire. I don't look like a firefighter. I look like a geek from the Apple store. <laughs> and that's exactly what he looked like, too. That's it was awesome. hilarious. He's like, so, but it was, he's like, and he's like, well, you, you don't have time. You do have time. He goes, when you're doing this, complete the task. Take a deep breath. He's like, and then he explained the, um, remember the um, heart rate zones? Yeah. He goes, because once you're above 150, he's like, you're not thinking. So as soon as you get to that door, as soon as you get to the seat of the fire, as soon as you get to the victim, take a deep breath. He talked about box breathing and um, what's the other skip one? breathing. Skip breathing. He goes that has been proven scientifically to physiclo- physiologically sh- sh- slow your heart rate down. What was and that? Then, yeah, <laughs> and it, it was a good lecture. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, awesome. I mean, so. What did you think about the whole fool's perspective? I'm like, I know what you think about the instructors, but what about the whole weekend? The networking and the, the brotherhood bash and all that other stuff. It reminded, it reminded me of the days of old. Nice. Like, remember the days where, like, you would just hang around and um, 
joke around, converse. I, I didn't want to swear. <laughs> joke around and converse <laughs> with the, and just have a good time. Talk tactics, talk calls. We discussed calls. We just, it was awesome. We discussed uh, problem members without mentioning names, and they told some hilarious stories about <laughs> this one firefighter that was just so absent-minded. He literally, he would forget anything. So he bought a new car, and then when he was leaving, he started freaking out, saying that somebody stole his car, called the cops, blah, blah, blah. And then what was he, a captain? Yeah. The shift captain comes down, and he's like, I can't remember the guy's name. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're bleeping cars right there he's like are you seriously mentally disabled and then he would like they would go on a call and then they'd be wondering when the truck was coming back and they'd call him on the radio and the guy forgot how to get back to the truck station i mean oh, it's just man. hilarious and it's it's so it's he's not going to be a show the best the best part was <laughs> no. the story of that that's i think it was the same guy every time he came on shift he introduced himself to the crew even though they've been working together for yeah. years they'd be like dude good morning my I, name is yeah, i know you but it 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 reminded me of the old days and just talking having fun joking around talking about training talking about calls but it also showed that Every department, FDNY, Hartford, Connecticut, Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I can't remember where the other guys are from. Um, Lowell, Mass. <laughs> oh, yeah. That guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't eat a brownie from Maine if you're going to attend. <laughs> that guy. That guy's awesome. Anyway, all these departments, large or small, they all have the same issue, and they all have the same guys. Yeah. Like I could be like, hey, I have that person. Hey, I have that person. What did you do? Hey, I have that person. What did you do? And it's like the guy that forget the memory. They're just like, no, we just. <laughs> with them. Just <laughs> I, was like, oh. I was like, you didn't, you didn't correct their behavior. No, it was too much fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at some point you just get it. Yeah. yeah. But, did you find you guys talking more with uh, the local guys still in Maine or no, with these actually, guys? Actually, the local guys from Maine were more in their own little group. They had their own roped off area and they didn't we talked more with the guys from like actually we talked mostly with the guys from massachusetts like the blow mask guy was hilarious he did mess up he stopped at the dispensary on the way up because <laughs> they didn't have that where he lived so it's legal in maine so he's like why not and then it's funny because we're talking to the new england fools about training in their upcoming rick class and planning logistics and stuff and he looks at me he goes dude dude can i tell you something and his girlfriend's like don't honey stop <laughs> he's like no dude dude i need to tell you something i was like okay what he's like i ate a brownie before i came here and i'm freaking the f out. <laughs> and, I, and his girlfriend's like honey you're fine knock it off <laughs> and i'm just like i just start laughing i was like oh, meanwhile man. i have no idea they're having this conversation right behind me because i'm with five instructors right. trying to plan a training i'm he's doing acting two professional weeks. and i'm just like laughing like oh my god okay but, but the funny thing is, but, you know how we met that guy? They split for lunch. They had um, subs from Firehouse Subs donated and some stuff. So we went upstairs and grabbed that, and we came down. It was in a, an old auditorium. That's another cool thing we can talk about. This old auditorium, and instead of sitting down in the seats where we'd been there for hours, we were standing up on one of the edges and on just a piece of counter. So when they came down off the stairs, we just slid our stuff over to give them some room so they could stand up. And next thing you know, we got talking, where are you from? You know, What do you do in your department? And then just... 
Next thing you know, we're drinking that night at the Brotherhood Bash, passing these stories back and forth. Yeah, it was right. just that's how the networking starts. And and I've done a bunch of stuff with the fools and met a bunch of the guys. And it was fun to take John and introduce him to some of these people and get him interjected into the network and to watch John kind of flourish like a <laughs> butterfly was awesome. And nice. like talking to the guys, like the guys from Hartford, Connecticut and Lowell Mass. They're like, Yeah, we're really short staffed and like especially the guy from Mass. I was like, Well, how many guys do you have on a shift? He goes, eight to 12. And I looked at him, I go, I have five. <laughs> He's like, what do you, how do you do it? And I was like, I don't know, but it gets done. Yeah. I was like, you're complaining about eight to 12 guys, and I have five, and one of them leaves at five. So. No, but I, I guess that's just kind of what I was, I was getting at. You know, I went to a couple of conferences, and it's just the local guys, and we don't, mingle like that you know there's a few people everybody has some buddies that they go talk to or whatever but you don't really swap the war stories and stuff because you're worried that you might say something that like puts your department in the spotlight or might shine a little light on their department or like maybe they know who you're talking about and that could be a problem oh you talk about with the local guys yeah yeah a anytime you try and talk with somebody local it's just I can see that. They, they know yeah. your issues. Why are you going to talk to them about your issues? Because right. you know, this but, wasn't, this you know, wasn't, I don't want to say it was, we were talking, well, we were talking about our issues, but it wasn't no, more complaining. I mean, it was talking them in a, talking about them in a positive light and basically like, laughing. Like, what are you doing them. to fix yours? Yeah. And are we doing the same thing? Right. Still trying but, to be productive about it. But the other and thing I was trying to. what helps is alcohol. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that in a second. But the other part yeah. that I was trying to show John is that, going to these events and, and doing this stuff and meeting all these people, you can interject. Like if we go to a training around here, it's mostly the same people right. all the time. These fools events, there's people from everywhere that come to these and I would not do it justice trying to explain it to you, but real short version. There was a group of firefighters in Florida back in, I believe 95. They wanted to go above and beyond on their training. So they started doing stuff on off nights that their department weren't doing. And it just kind of grew. And then they get a couple other towns to jump in and either work with them or say, hey, we're going to train on off nights too. And it just kept flourishing, flourishing. And now there's chapters all over the U.S. and other countries that are in this society. Like I said, I can't do it justice. Google it up. Look at it. Fraternal Order of Leatherhead Society. It's an amazing group of people. I've luckily been hooked up with the New England Fools who are absolutely fantastic to work with. And um, they're very humble. No matter where you're from, it, we're all equal. We're all the same. It doesn't matter. And you're not with the same folks. Like I said, you're running into all kinds of different people, which is great because I took John for the first time and he was just talking about alcohol and that, <laughs> and that gentleman from Lowell. They had what, what they do is when we have the seminars and stuff, at the end of one of the nights normally, or every night, they go out and they'll hook up at a restaurant or bar for dinner or just, you know, just to pass stories at the bar or whatever. And they had a, was it MDA fundraiser? Yes. For Bangor. And they called it the Brotherhood Bash. So after the seminar was done, everybody and whoever we wanted to invite could come back to this private party at the uh, restaurant locally and we just had appetizers and drinks and talked and did all that stuff. Well, John brought his bagpipes. We all know he plays pipes. He had them in our hotel room, just opened up, sitting on the dresser the whole time we were there. And I was like, is he going to rip these things in the middle of the you know, Hollywood casino where we were staying? Right. <laughs> and I could tell he was itching to play them. So I, I talked to the president of the Fools, and I was like, hey, you know, is it okay if he brings his pipes over to the party? He's like, yeah, sure. So he brought them over and just set them on the floor in his box off to the side and 
Only like two people knew that he was bringing them over. But like four other people noticed that box and knew what it was. And next thing you know, John was the star of the party. <laughs> and I'll let him tell you where it went from there. Well, first of all, there's this guy they call OG. Like he has worked, like he has unbelievable stories. Like back in the day where they just had boots and buckle jackets. Like he, unbelievable guy, unbelievable story, a lot of knowledge. Um, and he noticed, it's like my bagpipe case is an older, like that box, they don't really, they don't make those cases anymore. It's probably over 20 years old. They have, now they have like backpacks, padded cases, uh, Pelican cases they use and stuff. So not a lot of people recognize what that box is. Well, some of the older guys knew exactly what it was. And they're like, so are you going to play those? I was like, I don't know. We'll see. And I was talking to Eric. I was like, well, they'll get drunk enough. They'll forget and we'll just leave. <laughs> oh, before he goes on with the story, I got to let you know that in this private room of the basement of the restaurant, it's only like, you know, six foot ceilings. And you all know John's six foot himself. Try to play bagpipes in that room. <laughs> he was a little nervous since we got in there because it wasn't the location we thought it would be. Like we thought it would be upstairs in the wide open restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, I was like, it's going to be way too loud. We're not doing this. Well, the drinks started flowing. The story started flowing. Everybody started getting louder and louder. Then they did the raffle, which I got my Pierce hat from Alliance. I'm like, I go up there. I'm like, I don't know what to pick. I was like, they didn't have gloves for huge hands. They had hoods. I had hoods. And I saw the Pierce and the Alliance. And I'm like... I'm taking this, and then sent a selfie to Carl. <laughs> I got a middle finger back. And then, anyway, after that, then like a bunch of the older guys just start yelling. They're like, "Rusty, when is he gonna play? Hey, you start playing!" And I was like, "Crap!" And I'm s assembling them as fast as I could. Sing us a song, piano man. Right. <laughs> and then I'm just like, "Okay." That's exactly what it was. <laughs> and then I stand up, and every, uh, the younger guys are like, "What are they talking about?" So I stand up, I firing them up, I play amazing grace and like i can hear a little bit like it's loud and then it goes silent <laughs> what and he then, didn't see because he's paying attention to what he's doing is that as soon as he stood up and everybody saw them pipes like 38 phones come whipping out of people's pockets <laughs> there must be videos of john everywhere nice yeah it was incredible so they all went quiet and then they i started pick up i played a different song and they all start hooting and hollering and then uh, but eric had provided me with uh, several adult beverages libations <laughs> so i'm walking and then i stare at my feet and i just start staring at my feet and walking and my bagpipes are scraping the ceiling and then i look down and i go oh my god i'm drunk <laughs> so let you know that this show is presented to you by jameson and ginger and one chicken nugget john learns he needs to eat more than one chicken nugget <laughs> so yeah it was a good time man. nice the next day awesome. wasn't, but it was good. <laughs> yeah, we move on to Dice Arts parking lot the next morning, and John didn't make breakfast. <laughs> Shout out to Dice Arts. <laughs> right. Oh, no, we didn't even eat Dice Arts, but I know, the parking but lot got used. I was going to say, some, some poor fool had to go out and clean the parking lot. So. Yeah, it was raining that morning. I'm pretty sure it washed away, but I, I kind of felt bad for John, but I did get four or five pictures in. Yeah, did. It was fun. I, I enjoyed. It was revenge for the other photo I took that I won't release. Yeah, we will show you guys after the podcast, but that's <laughs> not for public consumption. Yeah. Um, it was a very good weekend, and and the fun part was, like he said, we got up early, so we drove right through Bangor, and we found we were just looking at GPS, and we're like, hey, what's what's cool to have lunch around here? And we found this barbecue axe throwing joint nice. that was absolutely awesome. The waitress was or the bartender was wonderful. Yep. Had lunch there was awesome. We came out through. We found out a killer bagel place for breakfast in the morning 
John's never been to a casino, so I got him to spend two bucks in the slots. We both lost. Like we did, we did a lot of stuff that John's That's never awesome. done before. It was it was just a good weekend. Yeah, very cool. Just two yeah. brothers enjoying themselves. Yeah, right? it re reignited some of my passion for training because just to show that there's actually firefighters and like a lot of them are chief officers that literally do trainings and participate in trainings and are passionate about it and are passionate about understanding these issues and dissecting them and trying to figure out how to fix them and then communicating it to everyone else i mean like they were a bunch of great guys it like i said it reminded me of when i first started and the same thing i've been going to those events by myself or maybe grabbing somebody here there but now that i've taken john and he's enjoyed it it kind of sparked me back up saying okay now i've got somebody else that will go with me to these and that will enjoy it too and hopefully we can bring more people right and uh be members yeah but yeah because i mean that's i think we talked about it last time that's that's the point i'm getting to is like i tried to drive it home for so long and gotten so little feedback from from communities you know we have our our core group group of people that will always train when they can and then just to try and get anyone new into it or try and do well i think that's the biggest problem at least for me is you get stuck you get stuck in your small little world right because like this is our community this is what we deal with and then we get so frustrated because there's just there's nobody that likes to train around here and then we get this uh kind of these blinders on that the fire service is dying no one likes to train but then you go to that and you find out that there are small pockets of people actually do yeah that want to do it and it, the thing is is how do we get that here and that's a question for another day which is which kind of rolls us into the next thing is the program that i was talking about over in freiburg in the first weekend of november um the chief of freiburg got a grant and we're going to do a firefighter survival slash rich rick class so i talked to the new england fools and said hey would you guys be willing to come up and and put a program on for us and they were all about it they've been wanting to get a little further up in maine they've been wanting to do something so they were right on top of things and you got a bunch of people that are all excited about this class this is what we want this is what we want to do so myself and the training officer rob in freiburg put this all together with the support of the chief got all in play and then it's like we're fighting for people to attend to it it's like oh it's the first day of hunting season oh it's this oh it's that it's like you guys asked for this we're bringing it to the table and now all of a sudden there's a bunch of excuses to not go and i know that some of them are legit and i i call bullshit on some of them but it's like, you know what, I, I brought the program here. Whoever shows up is going to enjoy it. They're going to have a good time. And hopefully the word will spread that it's somebody different. It's not the same old stuff we do. And it's, it's up another level. And maybe we can entice people to come back out of their shells and, yeah. and do some stuff. But That's, that's the frustrating part. Oh, it's, that's, that's the hard part for me, especially where I'm not a chief again yet. Being just an instructor in the area and doing... Instructor You're stuff. never just an instructor. Don't well, when that. I say just an instructor, what I mean is I, I put all the effort into putting these classes together with fellow instructors, and you're doing all this work and behind the scenes, and then you get to the point where it's like, all right, now that list is going to fill up with people that want to do it. Oh, yeah. And you're like, there's, I got 30 slots, and I got three people signed up. I'm like, what happened? There's always happened? that expectation like, yeah. that everyone else is going to be as excited about it as you are, and then it's just like a slap in the face when, when somebody kind of, even yeah. if they're like, eh, you know, when they're thinking about it, well, that's You're a, like you should just jump the, right out at this. Come the, two, on. <laughs> the two things that have been driving me nuts about this one is the the oh, it's the first day of hunt season. Oh my god, I'm a hunter too. I know some of you guys are hardcore, but it's one day. Right. Do you want to learn how to save yourself and your brother 
or do you want to go shoot a deer the first day? Like, uh, whatever. I mean, it's priorities. It's your choice. You can make that. I'm, I can't do that for you. That's, that's the, the other part. Is, part well, the other part is I got guys. Well, I took that class two years ago. Yeah, it's not good. a one and done, folks. Right. Like, you got to stay on top of this stuff or you're going to lose it. Right. Yeah. And I hear that more. Oh, well, you know, I've done that. I'm leaving my that slot for somebody else. I'm like, y- you don't have to leave that slot. I've got plenty of open slots. Like, right. yeah. fill them. That, if you're, that, that's them justifying why they they don't can't exactly. exactly. And some of the folks that have told me that, I understand. They're they're older guys that aren't really interior anymore. They can set up the exterior stuff and whatever. They're not the inside guys. I totally get it. But the inside guys, I'm like, really. Like just because you get the T-shirt doesn't mean you're done. Like well, that's that is the, it's not the first time that's been said. Oh, that is the hard you know? part for me. And it's frustrating being an instructor because, I mean, you don't become an instructor and just set it on the shelf, right? I mean, we all Ideally. as 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 instructors, we kind of made that that oath to ourselves that we're doing this so we can provide more opportunity. And you invest a lot of hours. I don't think people realize how much time it takes to set up a class, you know, a weekend of the fools coming up and doing some writ stuff. It's not like they just came up with it the week before. No, this has been like four or five months in the planning. There's literally dozens of hours that we invest just to get a training going. And that's where it becomes frustrating is you've, you've put on in all that time. And you're super excited, kind of like what John was saying. You get super excited about it because you find that other people are too, and then there's nothing. Right. Yep. Well, it's, it's like trying to figure out what comes first because you put all this effort into a class, nobody shows up, and then the next time around you're like, all right, great. Well, I'm going to toss this out as a feeler, see who comes back to it. You know, it, it just doesn't work. You kind the, of have the feelers like, don't work either because no, people are like, oh, I mean. yeah, hell yeah. yeah, I'm going to do that and put me in. Right. And then you hand them the application and, and tell them the weekend. And, oh, well, sorry, I get uh, curling practice that weekend. Right. You know, <laughs> and and, and I, I'm not going to sit here and, and be totally negative about it because there's two towns that are in our immediate mutual aid region that I wanted to be part of this. And they wanted to be part of this, but they happen to get new extrication tools. They have an in-service training that they planned that weekend before they knew about ours. So they're like, sorry, guys, we, we've got this new equipment coming in. We're doing this. We're not going to be able to send any people. And I totally understand that. And even out of my frustration and talking to those two particular chiefs, we got thinking about it. And because of this whole COVID event and us being shut down for so long, now everybody's trying to do these hands-on trainings, and they're overlapping each other. Right. Yeah. And that's the other frustration is that everybody's trying to squeeze this in before either we have to go back in our shelters again right. or whatever, or we're just trying to catch up from what we were behind on so that, you know, and you can't train these guys every weekend because then they don't get their family time. They get burnt right. out and we're, we're all feeling it. So even yeah. out of my frustration, I was talking to a couple of those chiefs and they kind of, you know, what I need every once in a while, a good kick in the face and just sit back in my chair and be like, Hey, it's not all you. This is this, this is that there's other factors involved. And yeah. it makes you sit back and realize it's just a huge problem for our yeah. area. But the training's out there, first weekend of November. We've actually opened it up for Fools members also. So any Fools members anywhere can come to this event, and it's covered by a grant, so it's free. It's everything. So at first, I was kind of upset that we didn't get a whole lot of local guys. I'm still working on getting local guys signed up for it. But on the same token, after the event with John and thinking about it, if we get guys from the Fools from all over New England, that's going to even be better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because now they're going to get a taste of somebody that's not from around our area. 
not only as an instructor, but as a student working with them. So I'm excited. And that's when you really learn because you collaborate. Yeah. And the guy from Hartford might be like, no, try it this way. And you're like, holy smokes. Yeah, that's, yeah I was know, frustrated so, at first. Now I'm, I'm yeah. super excited about the class, yeah. and I, I can't wait yeah. for no, that's awesome. fifth, sixth, and seventh. Yeah. So what do you think about classes like that um, as I talk to you about it? Three days, and I can make two of them. And it kills me that I can't make all three days because then it feels like I can't, I can't partic- participate in the class. I feel like, uh, you know, obviously always the last day, too, is like the wrap-up day. That's like the day you absolutely want to yeah, be Yeah, see, there. that's the thing. It's, uh, it's like all the trainings we do. Like the first, the first day is normally like the, the slideshow, the orientation, the, the lecture part of it. And then the first hands-on day is like, okay, here are all the different skills. So you learn this skill, you learn that skill, you learn this skill. And then the third day is like, all right, here's the scenario and put all your skills together. Right. So it kind of has to be a three-day process. And if you're not there for all three days, you miss a chunk. Right. Um, if I got a guy that can only make two days out of it and he's going to come observe and, and at least be part of the, pro- the, the process, I'd be happy with that because they're getting something out of it. Right. Yeah. You're just not going to get the, the whole thing and you might not be able to jump right into the group with everybody else because you missed something the day prior. Right. But I'm never, I'm never going to tell somebody that they got to leave my training because they didn't make it the first night or whatever. Right. I might not pay you for it. You might not get a certificate for it. It might not get full credit, but I'm never going to tell you to leave. No, I just, you know, for people in the position like I am where, man, that, that is a, a training opportunity that I was really looking forward to, and I, I just can't make it happen on, on Sunday. So I, I guess what I'm getting at is for other people in that situation, when these trainings pop up, I don't want somebody, like you said, I don't want somebody to just say, ah, I can't do the whole thing. I might as well not do any of it at all. I think any training is better than no. And call the call the guy that's setting up. Call the instructor or the person that's taking the registration and just tell them your situation, because you don't necessarily know how that class is set up. I know how this class is set up, so I can tell you what's going to be beneficial to you or not. Somebody might not know that. Talk to the registration people and tell them, hey, this is the deal. I want to get something out of this program. What can do? They'll work with you. I can't imagine any good instructor would turn you away. It'd be foolish. I mean, I've done countless classes here. You know, I think there was a, a pumps class that I did the, the Friday and the Saturday and couldn't make the Sunday. I did a, uh, we did a ropes class, a rescue class one time that Friday and Saturday couldn't make the Sunday. We're noticing a reoccurring theme, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm going to go to these classes. And some people yeah. say, that, well, you know you're not going to get the certificate. Well, when it comes to doing the skill, yeah, if, if something goes bad, they probably want to see a certificate. But I'm still going to be better equipped than somebody that didn't go to any of it. Well, the next class might come along, and you won't be able to do the skill session, but you might be able to do the scenarios, and you got the other part of your class. Right. You might have to do it in modules. Right. But even that, I mean, you can't take the knowledge away. I mean, you gain that knowledge. You right. have it. It's not going away. Yeah. Maybe you can't do the skills. Who cares? Right. You have the knowledge. We just fixed your mic by the Well, thanks. He did. <laughs> no, it was the monitor wasn't on. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. This episode was cut short due to some technical difficulties. Until next time.